Welcome to Welcome to the Hollowell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this episode just kind of happened, didn't it? Oh my god. Yeah, this is uh, episode six of season one, The Wedding from Hell. And a fun bit of trivia for this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brad Kern says in his opinion, it's the worst episode of the series. Really? Yeah. Really? Yep. I mean, the premise is strong enough, and... Well, the episode is a mess. It it doesn't make any sense. There's all of these weirdly dropped threads. It feels like they wrote an hour and a half and then just trimmed it down to 40 minutes. So nothing really makes sense. The thing is, it's a really strong premise for an episode. It's two really strong premises for an episode. Sure. Uh, there's a woman who made a deal with the devil for wealth and power. Come her son's wedding day, the devil comes to collect. And in a subplot, Piper thinks that she's pregnant. Except not really. That gets dropped. Yeah, that gets dropped. It's not just that it gets dropped. It's that she should know from the first scene where it's established that this might be a problem. Well, I'm not to get ahead of ourselves, but it feels like what happens, and I'm piecing this together because this episode is such a mess. It feels like what happens is Piper immediately knows she's not pregnant, doesn't mention it to anyone, Phoebe, having seen the box for the pregnancy tests, makes insinuations about it to Piper all episode, and Piper doesn't know what she's talking about. That's the plot. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's the worst episode, it's just... Honestly, there's not enough actively bad things about it for it to be the worst episode. It's just a mess. It's it's a nothing episode. Well, yeah, I feel like I blinked and it was over. The worst episodes drag forever. This was just like... Oh, I guess we're at the... I I mean, when we were watching it, I I turned to you and I was like, how are we already seven minutes into the episode? It feels like... Nothing had happened? Yeah. Well, let's get into it. So this episode was directed by Robert Kinty, who, Mm -hmm. according to IMDb, is mostly an actor. Ah. I I didn't think the direction... I thought the direction was fine. It was was fine. Uh, He he did not direct any other episodes of Charmed. Charmed, though. Well, I mean, if Brad Kern thought that this was the worst episode of Charm, did he not see the later seasons? I mean, I don't know. Well, I feel like Brad Kern, if he was going to say something, I feel like his pride would make him say that the worst episode came during the Constance and Burr's years. Mm. Even though, yes, the worst stuff does happen. This episode was very, very, very much not written by Constance and Burge. Oh, yeah, we'll get into that, too. Uh, No, this episode was actually written by Greg Elliott and Michael Paracone, who wrote one other episode of Charmed. They wrote Feats of Clay. Is that the one where that guy's, like, making women into figurines and he kidnaps Paige and... No, no, that's the one... I didn't... I don't really remember it. I read the description of it to try to remember it. It's one with Phoebe's ex-boyfriend coming back. It happens this season. Oh. Ugh. Okay, good, because I was like, if they brought him back for, like, a season five episode, that would be deeply bizarre. Yeah, no, no. They, they wrote one other episode on season one, and then they didn't write any more Charmed episodes. They appear to be a writing team because they also wrote episodes of Star Trek Voyager together. Oh. Uh, that's the one where, uh, I know everyone hates it, but for different reasons. Like, some people hate it because of sexism. And some people hate it because apparently Janeway is very dedicated to getting every member of her crew killed. Yeah, it's... I think I need to rewatch that series, actually. It also has a problem that it's coming off of Deep Space Nine, which deviates from Star Trek in a way that makes it truly great. 
as opposed to the J.J. Abrams films that deviate from Star Trek in ways that make them basically... Not, not Star Trek? Not Star... They, they're nothing special. And uh, Voyager is almost a return to form, but it's this like weird parallel universe form, so I see how it upset a lot of people when it first came out. Hmm. Michael Paracone, one of the writers on this episode, according to IMDb, he mostly does... He mostly works in sound now on movies. Huh. Yeah, including on A Christmas Prince. Really? Yeah. Wow. I just... That is a fun fact. I I thought that was a fun fact. But honestly, when we did Dream Sorcerer, I was trying to pinpoint, like, what is wrong with this episode? Like, why isn't it working? And I I couldn't really figure it out other than that the Dream Sorcerer himself was terrible. But it, it was hard to figure out why it was so bad. In this episode, I feel like we can lay it firmly on the feet of the writers. Yeah. There's a lot of strong concepts, but they're not really pulled together well. The acting doesn't help things. I, I pull- oh, and I guess we should also get into the terrible demon effects. Oof, boy. But th- this is not just an, a problem in this, but the fact that the whole subplot could have been taken care of with a single conversation. Well, a, con- a conversation that never even happens. Like, it- Well, Piper just says, oh, I'm not pregnant. Like, two-thirds of the way through the plot, and then Phoebe's like, oh, I guess that my vision was about the main plot then. Let's let's start getting into this terrible, terrible episode. Uh, see, I, I think you're being too harsh on it. It's not terrible, terrible. It's just, eh. Let's start getting into this poorly written episode. This Wonder Bread Bagel episode. Oh, yes, exactly. So we're introduced to the main victim character right off the bat. Right, Allison. And she, she's got a real Kathy from Friends haircut. Yeah, well, she's got a pixie cut. She's got a 90s pixie cut. And she's already whining, which is the one thing she does consistently throughout this entire episode. Okay, to be fair to her, she's whining because she has a bad feeling that this wedding, she's she's talking to her fiancé, they're about to get married, and she has a feeling that it's going to go terribly wrong. And to be fair to her, it does. She feels like his mother isn't supportive of their relationship because she's not rich, even though the mother is pushing... She, does she say that? She doesn't say that. Does she not? I she doesn't say... No, no, she doesn't say that. She doesn't say why she has a bad feeling. She's just like, I just feel like everything's going to be terrible. Her fiancé has a certain rat boy quality to him, which probably isn't helping. These are very unattractive people to be on TV in the 90s, not to be mean. She looks fine. He, I feel like he would be secretly a demon. I mean, I feel like she would also kind of secretly be a demon. They're, They're not bad looking for real people, but TV kind of... Especially a show like Charmed. Especially a show like Charmed, where prettiness is sort of par for most people. It seems weird to have these two people who are like, yep, they're certainly people who exist. Yeah. Oh, you did not mention, by the way, that Allison is blonde. Yes, Allison is blonde. She is a pixie cut and she is blonde. So we know that something bad is going to happen to her. We know that her feeling of vague badness is right. We actually have both types of blonde women in this episode. We have the people who are victims of demons and the demons. Yeah. Yeah. So, charm twofer. So the groom's mother, the groom, by the way, the groom's name is Spencer Elliot. And the... That's how you can tell he's rich. He's got two first names. The bride's name is Allison Michaels. Oh. And of course, as I mentioned before, this episode was written by Greg Elliott and Michael Paracone. Uh, 
Yeah. Boo. God. So. They're interrupted by uh, Elliot's mother. Yeah, who's freaking out because they haven't gotten their marriage certificate yet. To be fair, I feel like freaking out is sort of her borderline state, given the fact that she's apparently some sort of governess who's been unhinged from time. That is how she looks. Yeah, she does look like a Victorian governess. But I do think that this is important because this is something that isn't really explicitly said, but that is understood when you know the plot of this episode. She says she needs them to get their marriage license. I said marriage certificate. She needs them to get their marriage license because without it, the wedding won't be legal. And presumably him being legally married would prevent the demon from taking him. You know... In this one particular instance, I would think that, like, a church wedding would be the more important aspect of the wedding-ness. Well, and we know that for the demon's purposes, it is important that it is a... Well, it's not a church wedding because it's not in a church, but that it is performed by a priest. Yeah. Yeah, I I would think that the legal part of it would be less important than the religious part of it, but... Well, Well, I actually wrote a kind of a long thing in my notes when we were watching this episode where I wrote... Why do demons even care about legalities? Oh, I guess if you think of them as kind of a type of fairy, then being concerned with legalities absolutely is their thing. Okay, so I've been watching Lucifer recently. Sure. It's a really good background show. I've been looking for one of those. And there's a plot where his mother escapes from hell and she possesses like a young hot woman's body. Sure, like you do. And uh, Lucifer's all grossed out by her talking about sex. I'm like, you're the goddamn devil really she's well he's still his mother yeah that, that that's the thing about it but i'm like come on you've been seeing the worst of humanity for untold eons but your mom's like oh i had to keep my host body's husband from asking questions by sleeping with him and you're like ew mom that's so gross also that raises consent issues well i mean the host body's dead i guess that's still- that's that's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That doesn't make it okay. I, I actually think it's pretty fucked up that he made his mom, like, because his mom was just going to abandon the host body's life. Yeah. And he's like, no, your punishment for escaping hell is that you have to live a human existence as this woman. And it's like, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Well, all of that aside. Yes. Back to the nonsensical writing of this episode. Allison tells the mother, whose name is Grace. Allison tells Grace that they're going to pick up the marriage license tomorrow before the rehearsal dinner, okay? So that means the rehearsal dinner is happening tomorrow. Normally, the rehearsal dinner happens, like, immediately before the wedding because it's for all of your guests who are in town, really. So it happens, like, the night before the wedding. But we also know from everything else in this episode that the wedding doesn't happen until a week later. Yeah. Also, why is the mother freaking out about needing the marriage license right now if the wedding isn't for another week? Oh, I was going the opposite. Don't you need to get the uh, marriage license, like, a fair amount of time before the wedding? Okay, so I should have looked up California law because it varies state to state. Mm -hmm. In some places, you need to get it at least a week before. In some places, it doesn't matter. You can get it day of. And you can only get it a certain amount of time before like it's only good for a certain amount of time and in some states that's like six months and in some states that's like 30 days so um yeah i really should have looked up california law before we started talking about this but eh. elliot suggested that they elope but allison's like no we need to have the big wedding which turns out to be a big mistake because uh-oh it's jade 
Jade Demone. Get it? God. Like demon? Dear Lord. Demone. Okay, so... By the way, the Charmed Wiki points out that this is the first of two times that Charmed writers have decided that the Demone demon joke is funny enough to put in the episode. You know something I genuinely enjoy about uh, the 101 Dalmatians book? What? Deville is Corella Deville's married name. Yeah. I, I like that she just decided that that was a good enough name that she was going to marry a guy just to take it. Yeah. So she was like Corella Smith. And she's like, well, I mean, I like the first part of my name, but I really need like a matching aesthetic here. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I feel like that's a good reason to decide to marry someone. So Grace tells Elliot and uh, what's her bucket? Allison. Allison, that she needs to go talk to this mysterious blonde lady who's standing like 10 feet away from them and just staring as the wind dramatically blows in her face. Okay, I mean, this episode is just going to be me banging the drum about script problems. But Jade, but Grace approaches this woman and is like, oh, you haven't aged in 20 years. And the woman responds, well, you could have chosen eternal youth instead of massive amounts of wealth. And first of all, Grace already looks really young, which I guess is fine. I guess you would expect that if you had a lot of money. Yeah. Secondly, this implies that Jade and Grace together made a pact with a demon and that Grace asked for money and Jade asked for youth. But that's not the case. In fact, Jade is a demon. So why is Grace surprised that she hasn't aged? The script does not make sense. Also, I feel like Jade should be the one who's trying to marry Grace's son and not her daughter. Wait, Jade is the one trying to marry Grace's son. No, Jade has a daughter who's trying to marry Grace's son. No, no, it's Jade. Jade is the bride. That's no, no she's just like a bridesmaid. That's just one of the that's just one of her subdemons who who's a bridesmaid later. Oh, okay. Jade is attended to by one of her handmaidens, I guess, who's also a blonde woman who looks enough like her so that I was thrown. Too many blonde women. This this isn't Fuller House. (laughs) Yeah, no, Jade just has a demon with her who will be her demon bridesmaid. I, I don't know. There's a bunch of demons. She reminds Grace that this was the deal that Grace made, presumably something about a firstborn son. I don't know. It's never said. And then... Jade waves her hand in a way that causes Elliot to pass out and Allison is like freaking out and screaming because, you know, something just happened to Elliot. He's now unconscious and he wakes, he sort of kind of wakes up and then we crossfade to one week later as Piper is doing a pregnancy test in the charmed bathroom. Okay, so she's got the stick. She tells... Prue's banging on the door and Prue's like, Piper, for some reason I need this specific bathroom and not one of the, I think, at least two other bathrooms that are in this house. All her makeup is in this bathroom. She says my stuff's in there. Then why did Piper use this bathroom to do her pregnancy test in? You know what? These girls aren't very organized. She should have used the bathroom with the shower downstairs. They only use that like once a season. This has been charmed bathroom watch. (laughs) Okay, Piper has the stick in her hand. I assume she's already peed on it. Hmm. She's So she's waiting for the result, which means that by the end of this scene, she, but not us, will know if she's pregnant or not, right? Yes. So any mystery in this episode is completely artificial because Piper already knows that the pregnancy test is negative. So 
Prue leaves to, I guess, go use someone else's bathroom. And then Phoebe starts banging on the door because she wants to take a shower because all of the hot water has been gone by the time she got to the shower the last two days, which I think means these girls need a bigger water heater. Oh, yeah. So she asks Piper if she's in for a cold shower, and Piper says mysteriously, at some point in our lives, a cold shower is probably a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, she already knows at this point she's not pregnant, so whatever. Phoebe finds the pregnancy test in the trash can when she goes into the bathroom. And she has... Okay, is it just me, or have her visions in the past couple episodes been specifically just fucking with her? Yeah, her vision power is being a dick. Because Phoebe has a premonition of two legs that give birth to a demon baby. Yeah, yeah, she sees a demon baby being born, but it's like she's standing, the point of view where she's standing, it's like she's standing at the mother's hips, Mm. so she can only see the legs and the doctor's pulling out the horned baby. So, uh, and, and it's also, the Vision really wants to make sure she sees that it's a demon baby, so everything is in black and white except for the demon baby, which is red. Which I don't think is a thing we typically get with premonitions. No, we don't usually see that. Usually they're all black and white. Although apparently Phoebe sees them in color, as we know from when she told that guy the color of the car that was going to hit him. Yeah. Also, her Vision is both being a dick and trying to be helpful, I think. Because it's very misleading for the vision to happen when she holds the pregnancy test, since it has nothing to do with this particular pregnancy scare. But also, we know that the reason that Jade is trying to be impregnated by Elliot is so that the baby will be a demon, but look like a human. But the baby she gives birth to is... A demon baby. A demon baby. The vision just, like, took some liberty so that Phoebe would see that it was a demon. Well, the doctor's freaking out, too, so... I don't know. I think I think her visions are just being dicks to her. Yeah, this is a really unhelpful vision. Oh, can we talk for a second about who Jade is? Okay, so it turns out that Jade is a demon that they call Hakate, but it's Hecate, who is very much not a demon in Greek mythology. Yeah, she's not a demon. She's the goddess of witches. She should be a helpful force in this show. I feel like, and actually the weird thing about the weird conflation of witches and demons, which if any show didn't do, it should be this show, will happen again. And I'll point it out when it happens the second time. Okay, but that's such a bad move on their part. The internet existed in this time period. Why would you have the goddess of witches be a relatively minor demon? I mean, this is just... This is just another writing issue, right? This is obviously not an episode that was written by Constance M. Burge. I mean, they're still dealing with the play school demons at this point. This is actually, according to uh, the Charmed Wiki that I was looking at before we started recording, they noted this is actually the first higher-level demon the girls fight. Is it, though? I mean, we'll talk about the way this particular demon gets vanquished. I mean... Honest, honestly, I'd give it to Javna before I'd give it to... Oh, yeah, Javna. <laughs> yeah. At least he actually, like, shot eye lasers at them. What does, I'm going to call her the same thing they call her, Hakate, do to... She doesn't do anything. She stares at them and kind of growls well, a little bit. Oh, oh, we'll talk about that. And I think that has to do with the bad CGI. I think they couldn't let the actresses do anything because they had to stand perfectly still so that they could perform the terrible CGI that happens in this episode. Mm. Okay, 
So in the kitchen, Piper is making like a million hors d'oeuvres right now. And I just have so many issues. One of the issues is that this episode, like that episode of Friends where Monica caters the lesbian wedding, Mm -hmm. seems to think that the only skill set needed for catering is knowing how to cook. Also, she's cooking the hors d'oeuvres in her own residential kitchen, which aside from being a health code violation, which it is, is something you would do if you didn't have access to an industrial kitchen. But she's got Quake. And this is specifically a job that is has been thrust upon her through Quake. She's doing a catering job that Chef Moore agreed to do before he fled the country. Which also, this episode feels like it should have been this, I don't know, third or fourth episode to come out. Yeah, so it aired sixth, but it was supposed to air fifth. But even fifth is too late for this episode. I mean, Chef Moore was gone by episode two. Yeah. And also, Jeremy was dead for over a month by episode, like, three. Yeah, so who did Piper think knocked her up? I mean, it would make sense if it was one of those super boring guys she roofied. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay, so I am very confused. We see Piper go off screen to answer the phone. And then when she hangs up the phone, she's freaking out about this catering job. Despite the fact that she's been clearly prepping and cooking for hours based on how many hors d'oeuvres we see in the kitchen. Yeah, this isn't something that's been thrust upon her. Well, I mean, not recently. Yeah. I don't know why she's surprised. I don't know why all of a sudden, I don't know what happened in that phone call that made her freak out. Also, she claims that since the contract was with Quake and not with Chef Moore in particular, she is on the hook. But she's not. She doesn't own Quake. She's just the chef there. Yeah, the head chef. This should not fall on her shoulders outside of a cooking capacity. I I don't understand what's happening, why she's responsible. Also, she's really afraid that... The people who hired Chef Moore are going to be angry that she's doing the cooking now, which, again, falls into the realm of not her problem. Yeah, seriously. Like, if they had wanted Chef Moore specifically, they should have signed Chef Moore specifically, not just the restaurant he happened to be working at. Yeah. I mean, they were rich enough that they should have dealt with enough contracts that they should know that. And he literally hasn't been working there for months I got the impression that the mother-in-law was pushing the, uh, the mother-in-law-to-be was pushing this wedding through. He can't have been working there by the time they had signed up all the stuff for it. How long were they planning this wedding? I... It's literally thrown in their backyard. Well, I mean, they, they have an estate. Yeah. So, Phoebe subtly hints that she knows that Piper might be pregnant with a demon baby, but Piper ignores it because, you know, she's got this cooking disaster she needs to deal with. Yeah, she asks Phoebe to help her out with the catering, which Phoebe originally means, like, help me midwife this demon baby, but then realizes she means just help me cater this wedding. You know, Phoebe, maybe dial back a little bit on the judgmentalness, considering you're gonna have a demon baby sometime in the future. Right. Well, you're going to be pregnant with a demon baby. That's going to uh, resolve itself oddly. And then there's a comedic thing where Phoebe almost eats one of the pastries, but Piper stops her, which is sort of a weird note to end the, uh-oh, I it's better... A, it's a button on the scene. It's fine. I better not eat this or my sister's demon fetus might make her kill me. So then we cut to Piper arriving at the mansion at... The Spencer Mansion, and they won't let her in because she's not the person who's listed as the caterer, which 
by the way, she should be because the person tells her that who they have listed as Chef Moore. Did we not just learn that they should have Quake listed? Seriously. And Piper says, look, I've got an ice sculpture melting over a wedding cake. So let me in or don't let me in. But that's the situation. So Piper's also in charge of the ice sculptures? That's not a thing caterers are usually in charge of. That's that's its own specialist guy. Why is Piper literally having to do everything all the time? She, she's like the CSIs in CSI. Like, you literally, you have one part of the job that you do, and then the rest of it's all, like, cops and lawyers and other people. Yeah. Ugh. Well, anyway, some of the security guards come to let her in, and this priest in a cassock comes running up and is like, no, no, she's the bearer of the demon baby! Which, of course, is a misdirect for us, the audience, so that we think, oh, Piper's the bearer of the demon baby, when in fact he's trying to tell Piper that Jade is the bearer. I'm tired even saying this. And uh, he's like, she's the bearer of the demon baby, beware Hakate! And Piper's like, Hakate, whatever, Padre. Like, you haven't been fighting demons for, like, three months at this point. Right. Well, the security guards drag the priest off, and Piper goes into the compound to cater. Okay, so we're finally back at, uh, we're finally back with the big bads of this season. Yeah, they're the big bads of season one, sure. Uh, Ted Buckland was briefly in the Dream Sorcerer episode. Yeah. But we haven't seen his assistant until, uh, since since the pilot i think yeah since since prue got her job anyway i think that might have been the second episode oh i think you're right yes well they're in the they're at the auction house and well they're at the auction house and prue is cataloging things and currently cataloging a very powerful fertility statue prue says some tribes believe that its very presence would help a woman conceive and that's hand- that's what a fertility statue is i mean well, Thank you for defining the word you just said. And Hannah, you know, Buckland's evil assistant. Sure. She's like, you take it. I'm not worried about my biological clock. And it's like, she's, you're an auction house. That's that's not how auction houses work. You don't just take stuff. Also, unnecessary shade. Also. I mean, she is evil. Yeah, I know, I know, but isn't she trying to hide it? Not very well. So they send off Prue, and Buckland's like, they're there, my evil, evil, evil it. Our plans are going according to plan. And Hannah's like, so are we going to do anything? And he's like, eh. We don't have anything to do in this episode. We're just here to remind people that evil is afoot. He gets Prue out of the room by saying that one of her sisters is in her uh, office making phone calls and drinking beer, and she's like, Phoebe. I mean, it's true. Phoebe is in the office making phone calls and putting her feet up on the desk so that we know she's the rebellious sister. Okay, is it just me, or is Cole, like, the only big bad this show ever had who, like, actively did stuff? I think that's pretty accurate, actually. Charmed wasn't really great with big bads. In the first season, we've got uh, we've got Buckland and Hannah, ish. They're the big bad for season one. I mean, I guess uh, the source of all evil is sort of the reoccurring big bad for the first three seasons, and then they kill him in season four. Charmed also has the uh, avatars. Yeah. You know, Charmed didn't do as good a job with memorable big bads as, for instance, Buffy. So, 
I mean, I can't even really think of that many great big bads. The only reason you really think about Cole is because he was a great love interest, not even because he was a great big bad. But, like, when he was the big bad, he did stuff. He was actively sending things after them. I mean, to be fair, the Charmed Ones don't do all that much either. I guess. Uh, it's just, this show would really benefit from having some strong central villains. I think this show would really benefit from having their characters have strong motivations. I think that's one of the weaknesses of this show. Mm. No one really... Does things. Yeah, no one has a purpose in this show. Speaking of not having a purpose, Phoebe. Yeah, Phoebe's in Prue's office and she's like, oh my god, your office is amazing. It's fine. It's a nice enough office. I don't have an office. I work at a work trough, I guess is what you would call that. You work in an open space office. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we all do. Like, I, like all, all Americans do. All Americans who work in offices work in open space offices now. Everyone has them and they're the devil. They're the worst. Mm. The Charmed Ones should come fight open space offices. <laughs> I'd watch that season. <laughs> yes, definitely. So Phoebe tells Prue that she's got a problem and Prue's like, oh, you're pregnant. And Phoebe's like, what? And Prue's like, that's why you came back from New York like five months ago. And Phoebe's like, uh, no, I'm not pregnant, but you have another sister who had sex with a demon. And also, I mean, Phoebe, you know you didn't see who was giving birth. Those could have been your legs. Well, I mean, I think she assumes that, yeah, I guess they could have been her legs. Yeah. Also, Jeremy wasn't a demon. He was a warlock. I don't think he would have fathered a demon baby. Also, who knows when that birth happened? It could have been years in the future, which again, could have been you. There's so many issues with what Phoebe believes based on that vision. Yeah. Also, why does Prue think that Phoebe's pregnant and that's why she came back from New York? She's been there long enough so you would know if she was pregnant. Yeah. Like, what? I had no issues when we were watching this episode, because really when you're watching it, it just kind of washes over you. Well, no timing works in this episode. Like, it doesn't make sense for any of the pregnancies that people think are happening to be happening. It doesn't make sense when the timing of this wedding is. It doesn't make sense that this episode is happening now instead of four weeks ago. Like, there's no... The timing is all off on this episode. Meanwhile, back at grace's palatial estate uh allison has shown up to freak out because what the hell is even happening and come on i know you said she was whining but i'm so on her side what the hell is even happening my fiance left me and the police won't believe me when i said that a blonde woman pointed at him and he fell down and then he woke up and didn't want to marry me anymore okay he didn't he didn't just leave her what we learn is after he fainted they hustled allison off and then said elliot doesn't want to speak to you anymore and he's marrying this other woman in the end like what yeah go ahead and freak out about that it's such i would be sympathetic towards allison it's just she's so unpleasant to listen to so mean yeah no that was too mean that was too mean. The, it makes sense. And Grace is like, I'm sorry, but he doesn't want you. He wants Jade. And I'm like, I mean, you're, it's, you're not doing a good job selling this. It's true. The actress is only playing a single note in all of her acting. Uh, that's that's fair. I mean, all of them are. Even Elliot 
like his one note is brainwashed and he was kind of playing it in his first scene before the demon showed up that's accurate yes so in the kitchen phoebe has shown up with some supplies that piper needed and piper's like what took you so long and phoebe says i went to the auction house to talk to prue about our little problem and piper's like i don't even know what you're talking about she's like shut up i'm catering i don't have time to deal with you being weird phoebe and i mean yeah keep in mind what's happening in this scene is phoebe keeps implying that she knows piper's secret but piper already knows she's not pregnant so it doesn't make any sense to her i again entire entire subplot could have been resolved with phoebe being like hey i found your pregnancy test are you pregnant no and i mean i feel like it's not fair to say that because most farce is based on it all could have been resolved with a single conversation this isn't that one episode of happy endings where penny meets pete's friends who are all normal people who don't have sitcom lives well no i mean what i'm saying is this is not a farce if this had been played if it was played up more then it would be fine and it wouldn't matter that they could have resolved it with a conversation. But as it is, it's just this weird flat thing. And keep in mind, we, the audience, don't know that Piper's not pregnant yet. And one of my one of my real, real pet peeves with writing is when they unnecessarily hide the ball from us. When they hide the ball from us without earning it. And that's absolutely what's happening with the Piper pregnancy. Yeah, it's... It was one of our bigger issues with Once Upon a Time. And it's a big issue with Lost. Like, you need to earn hiding the ball. So, the butler comes in and he's like, Mrs. Uh, Ms. Grace and Ms. Damone are uh, ready to receive you now. And Piper's like, seriously? Seriously with that name? Damone? Seriously? Piper also points out that according to the contract, the bride's name is Allison Michaels. And the butler's like... Never you mind. And this is another problem I have with this episode. I know, I know, I'm playing one note now, which is let me talk about how bad the writing is in this episode. Honestly, another problem I have with this episode is this weird thing where they treat it like they're uncovering a mystery when they discover that the bride was originally someone else. How can that possibly be? Is everyone trying to hide the fact that there was originally another bride? Was nobody invited to Allison and Elliot's wedding? Like, and, and, and now it's like a whole new set of invitees? Was there some sort of spell cast over them that made them forget? Because later on, when she finds the programs that have Allison's name in them, she's like, I have proof! Like, Pro- Proof of what? Proof that he decided to marry someone else? I, I'm so, it's so confusing. Anyway, they go to talk to the bride, and she's doing a dress fitting. This is another thing that doesn't make a ton of sense, because she starts freaking out when they're not Chef Moore. Why but, does she care? Well, she, I thought you were going to say she starts freaking out that they're not Chef Moore, and then when Piper asks her some questions about the menu, she's like, I literally do not care at all. I have zero cares about what the menu is. So, like, pick one! Yeah, Pick, and it's not like you even picked Chef Moore. That was back when Allison was the one who was getting married. Which is something they emphasize, by the way, because Piper because Piper compliments the, her dress, her wedding dress, and names the designer and 
Jade is like, I don't know. I have no idea who designed this dress. Because she's not the one who bought it. It was Allison's dress. Yeah. So why is she freaking out that Piper's not Chef Moore? Especially, especially like you said, because as soon as she's done freaking out, as soon as Phoebe makes an impassioned speech on her sister's behalf, defending her right to cater, Jade's like, you know what? Actually, I don't care. Whatever. Then why'd you freak out? Why is this scene even here? I'm, it's so, it's so, I mean, it's only here to establish some sort of antagonism between Jade and Piper that is completely unnecessary because, you know. The antagonism should come from the fact that she's a demon and she's a, and Piper's a witch and demons and witches, they don't get along. They're always button heads. It's the plot of the show. (laughs) Like, also she kills people. Like that, right. that, that's that, where the, 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 the antagonism can come when she starts killing people. There's a woman who's setting the dress. As, yeah, the, the seamstress. She's, 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 uh, fitting the dress. Yeah. As this conversation goes on, she accidentally stabs Jade with a pin and Jade doesn't react because we should know that she's a demon or something. You know who? We already know she's a demon. She pointed at that guy and he fell down. Uh, you know who in folklore is unaffected when they get stabbed with pins? Witches. Witches! Yeah, which would make sense if this... And her last name is Damone. Well, I mean, that's... That, that, whatever. That is what it is. That would be a great red herring, honestly. I mean, I knew a kid in college whose last name was Spectre. He wasn't really, like, a ghost. I knew a girl whose last name was Blood. Oh, that's a good last name. She married a guy whose name was Maze, and she hyphenated it, so she was... Yeah, she did. I'm not going to say her first name, or I'll give her a fake first name. She was Eleanor Blood Maze. It's pretty badass. It is badass. So... The priest has snuck onto the ground to stab uh, Jade to death with a uh, ceremonial, ceremonial stabbing dagger. Yeah, so... After he sneaks into the ground, he takes off his cassock and he puts on a security jacket so that he can sneak around. And, okay, dude. Maybe don't bring the cassock with you. That's what I wrote in my notes. Why did you even wear a cassock? So we'd know he's he was a priest. Yeah, okay, I guess that was for us. Okay, I guess I can't complain too much. That was a visual cue for us. Meanwhile, Allison's just kind of wandering around the house. Yeah, she figured out a way to get in, and now she's skulking around. She goes into Elliot's room and finds Elliot in bed reading Honeymoon Magazine. Dear Lord. Remember when magazines were a thing? I mean, I do, vaguely. Were they ever so specific that you could have an entire magazine just about honeymoons? Oh, yeah. They definitely were. Ugh. So he's laid out in bed and he's kind of out of it. He's got his weird brainwashing fog over him. He's got that glassy-eyed stare, which is somewhat different from the glassy-eyed stare he had at the beginning of the episode. Allison tries to remind him of who he is, but before he can really snap out of it, Jade and Grace come in and drag Allison off. And Elliot kind of like reaches out towards her and is like, Allison... And they escort her out, and Jade's like, oh, this won't do. Brain magic time. 
Also, apparently somebody at some point realized that Allison was skulking around the grounds and set off an alarm. So now there's an alarm blaring everywhere. So Piper and Phoebe come running just in time to see Allison get dragged out the front door. They get to witness this whole little weird screaming match where Allison's like, I still love you. And Elliot's like, wait, I vaguely am starting to remember you. And Jade like drags him back into the room. And Piper's like, hey, isn't that that priest who I saw trying to break into the grounds earlier? Yeah, okay. conspicuously holding a giant ass stabbing knife. She sees the priest go into Jade's room with a giant knife. She sees the knife. And, and apparently her response is to go get security. And I mean, if you're a normal human, that's fine. It makes perfect sense. But she's a witch. You can freeze time. Go stop the stabbing. But she she doesn't. She doesn't. We we cut to the priest. I, I, okay, so I love this because the priest immediately, as soon as Jade escorts Elliot out of the room, the priest goes upstairs after uh, after them. He goes into the room where Jade is standing, looking out the window with her hands behind her back. She had like, what, 10 seconds she to She had get... to have run into the room, gotten into position, and like, I'm going to stand here, formally. As I wait for the priest to come in. So my demonic Hedge bridesmaid- demon? Yes can dramatically rise up from behind him and snap his neck. She was crouching down behind him and then rose up in a way that looks creepy to us, the viewer, but doesn't make any sense from a position of where was she standing. Yeah, no, she had to be, like, lying flat on the floor and then she just, like, or squatting, and then she just... Yeah, so she rises up, she breaks the priest's neck. And then she throws him out the window. Yeah, so Piper and Phoebe, who are outside with Allison, see the priest get thrown out the window. Join the party. Welcome to the party, pal? Is that what you meant to say? Yes, welcome to the party, pal. I'm not one of those people who's seen Die Hard many times. We just saw it two days ago. We did. Okay. The best version of it. The musical parody version? Yes. Yeah. So, Phoebe and Piper are standing next to the corpse, and Piper's like, so we have to do something about this, right? Because we're witches, this is a demon thing. And and Phoebe pats Piper on the stomach, and she's like, I think we have other things to worry about. And then she leaves, and Piper, a lot of this episode is predicated on Piper not having any follow-up questions every time Phoebe hints that she knows that she's pregnant. Yeah. Well, I mean, they didn't have time to develop any plotline. They definitely didn't have time for follow-up questions. So it's time for Andy and Daryl to be shoehorned into this plot. Andy and Daryl show up because, you know, homicide. And they're talking to Jade, who says that the priest came running at her and lunged at her and she jumped out of the way and he fell out the window. And that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Also, Jade somehow had time to change into a little sweater set instead of the wedding dress she was wearing like a second ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. She also redid her hair. She had her wedding hair when she was getting fitted for the dress, but now she just has it in a barrette. <laughs> so she answers their questions and then she's like, can I go now? I'm a giddy girl on my wedding day. And Andy's like... Oh, sorry, the corpse was such an inconvenience. And Daryl's like, welcome to the lifestyles of the rich and shameless. Okay, that's not fair. I mean, it's true that she is a demon and she did kill that guy. But from Daryl and Andy's point of view, someone just tried to kill her on her wedding day. She gets to behave however she wants. Seriously. 
Oh, she's so shameless for not being broken up that someone failed to kill her. Yeah, I, I don't think you have. I don't think you have to have sympathy for people who attempted to murder you. Yeah. Also, like, Daryl calls her shameless, but it seems to me like this would fall under, oh, lifestyles of the rich. People are trying to kill them all the time, so now they're blasé about it. It's more lifestyles of the rich and empathy-less. Yeah, yeah. Which doesn't roll off the tongue so well. No. So, Andy's like, hey, look, at the angle that guy is, he wouldn't have just, like, if that guy had just fallen out of the window, he wouldn't have landed where he did. And Daryl's like, but he didn't fall out the window. Like, she said that he lunged Yeah, he was like a her. running leap. He, you don't know how hard he leapt. And Andy's like, eh, we're not going to be in the rest of the episode. Do you want to get coffee? And Daryl's like, okay. No follow-up. This is the sort of thing that when you're in the opening credits and they have to put you in every episode. Yeah, this is the kind of plot you get. Meanwhile, Grace is confronting the hench demon and is like, You didn't say you were going to start killing priests! She's like, I'm a demon. I will kill whoever I have to kill to make this wedding happen. I will kill you if I have to to make this wedding happen. And uh, Grace is like, uh, and the demon's like, Bye! So, back at the auction house, Prue is... Prue has finished cataloging the fertility icon, but Ted Buckland comes in to let her know that... Okay, so there are two... I'm sorry. I just... I just, when I said his name out loud this time... Yeah? Realized that his name is the same as the lawyer from Scrubs. Weird. I... That that hadn't occurred to me, but I said Ted Buckland, and I'm like, wait, is that right? That's his name, isn't it? Why does that sound weird? Oh, because it's the bald, sweaty guy from Scrubs. Do you want me to look that up? Yes. Oh, it's Rex Buckland. I've been saying Ted Buckland because I've been thinking of the Scrubs character. I would watch that show if Ted Buckland was the head demon for the first season of Charms. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of there for that. Yeah, so... Uh, In the end, he confronts the Charmed Ones with his acapella group. Oh my god, I want a, I want a group of demons who are acapella singers. Here comes Satanic Treble. Can some show do that, please? I would watch the fuck out of that show. Oh my god. You know what that would have been great for? New Charmed? Uh, that would have been great on New Charmed. Although I feel like that's kind of off for the CW vibe. No, no, they could have had an evil version of the Whiffenpoofs because the first season took place in a, in a college. Yes, evil Whiffenpoofs. Like, that's not redundant. Mm. No, I was thinking it would have been great for the third season of Gallivant that we never got. Oh, that would have been awesome. Because it was all about, the third season that they hinted at would have been all about Madalena learning the, the dark, dark, evil way. Yeah, and they could have they could have had the uh, that singing order of monks as their, like, arch enemies. Yes! Oh, fuck Charmed. Let's just write fan fiction for the third season of Gallivant. <laughs> anyway, Rex Buckland... Is asking, well, Prue has called Rex into her office because she has the companion piece to the lady fertility statue, a dude fertility statue. As you would expect. Rex tells her that the female fertility statue is actually not going to be part of the auction. It's being sold to a private collector. And in fact, it's being given as a gift to this woman, Jade Damone, who's getting married. And he's like, isn't your sister running that wedding? How involved are you in that process? And she's like, not at all, because why would I be involved in my sister's business? And then he like weirdly tries to cover in a way that does not work, where he says, oh, I just meant like, are you close to your sister in general? I was just making conversation. 
What? This writing does not make any sense. But the point is, they only want the female fertility icon. They don't care about the male fertility icon. Why? Why do they not care about the male fertility icon? I know, right? Like, presumably, Hakate only has one or two shots at this, so... Yeah, before, I don't know. She has to go back to the underworld. Oh, I assume that she would accidentally kill him during sex. Oh, that probably is true, too. The thing is, from a... From a spell work perspective, I can see saying, oh, for this particular ritual, we only need the female icon. Hmm. But from a we're an auction house perspective, doesn't it seem like they'd be worth a lot more as a set than separating them? Yeah, like you don't have to use both. I feel like if this was a real business, they wouldn't want to separate them. Yeah, they would definitely be sold as a pair. And... I feel like this is a big hint to prove that there's something going on with this auction house. But instead, she's like, all right, I guess I'll just start cataloging that mail icon then. So Rex goes back to his office. Where, I don't know. It's some other room. Where Hannah is manhandling. Manhandling? Yeah, she's stroking the sword of another statue. Yeah. Like, I mean... Thank you, Charmed, for your massive amounts of subtlety. Yeah. And she's like, why, why don't we just, if we don't want them, if we don't want the Charmed ones to interfere, why don't we just kill them? And Rex is like, shh, Hannah, it's not time yet. Let's go watch a football match and see if we can use magic to get football players injured. And she's like, oh, Rex, that makes me totally not care about stopping witches from stopping our evil plans. Well, okay, so I got the impression, by the way, that in this particular instance, it wasn't that she felt like she needed to stop the Charmed Ones from interfering. She assumed that it was already a given that the impregnate Elliot plan would have Elliot impregnate Jade plan. (laughs) No, I like it the other way around. Whichever. That's the way it is in the fan fiction. (laughs) Would go off without a hitch, no pun intended. Mm. And she's basically just disappointed that they can't go to this demon wedding because they're worried about being spotted by the Charmed Ones. And Uh. this is more just like, this is the royal wedding for demons and we don't get to go because of fucking Prue? I feel like Hannah's way more proactive than Rex is. I mean, I'm not surprised. Wow, a guy's female assistant is actually the one doing all the work? Shocker. So, back in her office, Prue is scraping the inventory sticker off of the penis of the male fertility statue. Hmm. She had to get a degree to get this job. Yep. When Andy comes in, and Andy's like, oh, I like the way you manhandle that manhandle. And Prue's like... That's amazing! <laughs> it's, from, it's from Gravity Falls. That's a Gravity... That, that is a Disney Channel joke. It's so dirty! It's so dirty. That's way dirtier than what he actually says, which is, uh, Prue's like, sorry, someone put the sticker on his, and Andy fills in, artifact? Which is weird because... Well, this isn't a Disney show. They can't make jokes about manhandles. Which is funny because when I I use the word artifact usually, because I'm not usually talking about actual ancient sculptures, Mm. usually I'm talking about something that's in a program that is still there, even though we don't use it anymore. It's just an artifact. Yeah. So... I don't know. To call a penis an artifact feels like, again, some shade. Mm. They're 
Prue has a jokey thing where she's talking around using the word penis, which you are an adult ass woman, Prue. You can say penis. Well, then Andy tells her that he wants to show her his artifact. Yeah. I guess this is why Andy's here. Yeah. He, he, he's giving her the knife that the priest tried to kill. He's not giving it to her. He's using her as a consultant to discover what the knife is, which makes total sense. She's the antiquities expert at a local high-end auction house. She's still going to have the knife by the end of the scene, though. He, he said that he left it with her. He said that he checked it out of evidence so he could leave it with her so that she could figure out what she needed to about it. Uh, still seems kind of so, like... I mean, of course there are chain of custody issues, but at least they try to say that they have a good chain of custody. So she Googles the knife, and apparently it's used from ancient times to banish evil or something and you know, yeah the it has some latin inscribed on it that says something like i will never rest until i've sucked all of the souls out of all of the demons hmm. he mentions that it was at a murder scene that happened to take place at the wedding her sisters are catering yeah but he says that he saw them they were fine don't worry about it and prue googles a little more this is the only time i think that prue actually uses google to figure out her answers <laughs> But Prue Googles a little more and discovers that the knife is specifically meant to banish Hakate, who comes to Earth every 200 years to try to bear spawn that can walk the world of man. Sure. And she's like, oh my god, this can't be a coincidence. Phoebe had a vision about a demon baby being born. This must be what she was thinking of. And Andy's like, what? And Prue's like, just talking to myself. Don't worry about it. And then she, sh- and then she sticks the knife into her purse and walks out of the office. Well, she sheathes it first. It's fine. And Andy walks around the desk and he's like, "Oh, she's googling demons." We were we were having a perfectly nice conversation. She just started googling demons. It's weird to me with how much Andy is into demons and how much he does share with Prue that they don't become demon fighters together. The show really doesn't know what to do with Andy. I mean, you well, could do cool stuff with him being like. A cop who is into the occult who helps them out with stuff. And uh, I know that might go to a mansplainy place, but that's what we end up getting with Leo later. So we might as well have had it with Andy in the first place. Well, it's weird how Andy is like the Mulder, but this is like if there was a Mulder, but X-Files was from the point of view of the aliens. Yeah, th- this is this is what we talked about early on. Like that would have been a cool, that was seemed to be what they were setting up with him. That would have been a cool place to go, but... Uh, well, I mean, the problem is, if it's Mulder, but it's from the point of view of the aliens, it just gets frustrating, because you're watching him try to prove that witches exist, and you're like, yeah, we know, they're they're in the next room, we've been watching them for 20 minutes. It's frustrating as an audience member to watch somebody not be able to figure out something that you've known for the whole show. So, like, I didn't really watch X-Files that much. After a certain point, didn't Mulder just have evidence that supernatural shit existed? Like, that guy who could control the weather you were telling me about? Well, okay, so, yes, supernatural stuff or inexplicable phenomenon, like, that's a thing. And that's different from the existence of aliens and also a vast government conspiracy to cover it all up. And that's what he's really trying to prove. Oh. And then he, he does towards later seasons, and that does become kind of the plot. Okay. Because I, I would be like, I think people would stop regarding him as that crazy masturbation guy who lives in the basement. 
after like the dozenth time he's like hey i brought in a shapeshifter skull or hey here's a dude who can control the weather well and even though the stereotype is of scully being the skeptic in actuality when you actually watch the episode she's like no i've seen some shit yeah flesh-eating bacteria she got pregnant with an alien baby speaking of pregnancy episodes william i know some things about uh i saw that episode where that cult kidnaps her and tries to like cut out the baby i'm trying to figure out if yeah no alien baby pregnancies on x-files are basically the same trope as demon pregnancies Hmm. yeah so speaking of demon pregnancies phoebe has finally decided to confront piper now that prue has told them that hakate knife demon baby she jumped to all the wrong conclusions she's like piper i had a vision and it turns out that you're actually hakate and you're gonna give birth to a demon baby and i'm gonna have to stab you with that knife uh, that prue brought home and piper's like um no i'm not actually pregnant i took a pregnancy test like at the beginning of the episode and phoebe's like yay i don't have to kill you and piper's like i'm gonna remember this for when you have a demon pregnancy later in the show right she was so phoebe was so fast to go to the i have to kill the queen of the underworld for someone who's going to become the queen of the underworld god hypocrite there's a weird thing where piper's like wait why did you think i was pregnant and phoebe's like i saw the pregnancy test and piper's like you were spying on me well no it it was literally on top of the garbage luckily prue does point out that they have better plot lines to deal with and fills them in about the whole priest thing he belongs to a secret order that's dedicated to stopping this one lady from getting laid every 200 years wow what a dick (laughs) the order of cock blockus yeah so they figure out pretty quickly that jade is the demon and that she needs elliot to impregnate her that way her child would look totally normal on the outside, but be pure demon on the inside. And Phoebe's like, but in my vision, and Prue's like, Phoebe, shut up. And so the girls decide that before Piper, you know, deliberately ruins the job. Before Piper ruins the wedding by stabbing the bride. Yeah, they're going to go spy on Jade and make sure that she actually is a demon. And it just so... Well, Prue says, I guess the universe gave you that catering job and this is the sort of thing we should expect more now that we're witches which is the sort of thing you would say if this was the second or third episode yeah it's and it's a weird like clunky fourth wall breaky thing to say so the girls go to the mansion where jade is having her trousseau party yes um okay so the thing we see is her pulling out a nightgown a, a, a sheer nightgown and saying this will make his assets rise. Dear Lord. Assets? I like that somebody gave her the, the statue, the fertility statue, at her trousseau party, because that is actually the appropriate time to give someone a fertility statue, but it's so amusingly juxtaposed against all of the lingerie she's also receiving. Yes. And Prue's like, wait, that's, that's that piece I was working on at the auction house. Should I think about that more? And Piper's like, I can't believe they're not eating my food. Okay, wait. I want to take both of these things one at a time. Okay. Okay. Prue says, wait, that's the statue. Rex told me that it had been sold to a private collector. Yeah, he he told you someone was going to give it as a gift to 
Jade, who is opening it right now as a gift. Like, your your expression is completely wrong for what is happening. This is all information you already had. That's why Rex was like, it's going to the wedding that your sister is catering. Okay, but the second thing I actually really like here and in another moment, Piper being distracted from fighting demons by her cooking job. A pizza delivery guy shows up and she's like, how dare they order pizza when they have my food? And I like that she's like, yeah, demons, sure, whatever. But this is just rude. <laughs> but then it turns out that the pizza guy is actually a stripper. And Piper's like, oh, okay, never mind. Complaint retracted. She feels better. And all of the women are super into this guy who is not a good stripper. He goes straight to nudity. Yeah, like he, he all of his clothes, he rips off his pizza uniform basically immediately. Yeah. Like, come on, dude. Like, lead up to it. The girls are all watching and they're all really into it, which is weird. Yeah, so the sisters are watching these demons watch this stripper and they're all, like, really into it. There's a moment, though, where they realize that Hakate is actually going to eat the stripper. Like, like physically consume him. Uh, Piper gets it. Prue gets it. Phoebe doesn't get it until they're tearing into the guy. Yeah, so there's a they sh- when they show the reaction shots of the sisters. There's one reaction shot right before Hakate tears into him, where Prue and Piper are both like, "Oh no!" and Phoebe's just like, "Yeah, strippers." <laughs> also, don't touch strippers. I mean, obviously they're demons and they're eating the guy, so eh. But I don't think you're supposed you know, to touch you're, strippers. You're not. Also, as long as we're talking about like. Way to not save that guy. Right? You're the chosen one and you literally stand there and do nothing. I can't help but feel like that's kind of... An anti-sex work thing? Yeah. Like, it doesn't... It Like, the show thinks that... Hold on. Yeah, like, the show thinks that his death is less important, almost comedic, because he's a sex worker. Yeah, which de- is like, fuck you, Charmed. Yeah, he doesn't deserve to get eaten by demons just because he's a stripper. I. It's... It's gross, and it's so prevalent in pop culture. So they just go back to their weird wicker waiting room thing. It's a sunroom. It is a sunroom. This is, a lot of things will take place in the sunroom. And they're trying to figure out how they're going to defeat Jade. They... I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a knife. Well, actually, they've decided, Max, flashing back to our previous podcast, mm-hmm. that the correct way to beat Jade... Is with True Love's Kiss. Dear Lord. Yes, because apparently True Love's Kiss will break the spell on Elliot and then they won't actually have to stab anyone. Yeah, which, I mean, I still feel like she's still a demon. She still killed two guys. Yeah, like, you should probably stop her. Yeah, just because you thwart her plan to get pregnant doesn't mean that you've neutralized her. She's probably just gonna kill Elliot and what's your bucket anyway? Grace? Or Allison. Allison, I was thinking, but... She's probably gonna kill Grace, too. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised they didn't just kill Allison. You're right. It is actually kind of weird that they didn't... That that Jade didn't kill Allison and get her out of the way. But I guess she didn't see her as a real threat, and that's the lesson. There's kind of a cute bit where they're, they're all grabbing for things they need off the table because they're like, okay, one of us will get Allison, the other one will try to get in contact with Elliot, and the other one will stab Jade. Yes. Prue says, grab your weapons. And Piper grabs the phone, Prue grabs her car keys, 
and Phoebe grabs the dagger. Which actually felt like a kind of a Buffy joke. Yeah. It, it reminds me of a scene that won't come until after this episode aired, where Buffy gives Dawn a weapon, and it turns out to be a cell phone. Which he uses once. Well, I mean, that's pretty appropriate for weapons in Buffy. Yeah. Although Prue confiscates the dagger from uh, Phoebe. You know, fair enough. Hey, there's one of you who doesn't have an active power. Maybe let her have the knife. Oh, yeah, actually, Prue's the last person who should have the knife. Because at this point, Piper can freeze things, but that's it. So, really, Prue's the only one who has an offensive power. Yeah. Prue's is offensive, Piper's is defensive, and Phoebe's is basically useless. Yeah, especially, yes, it is. So at the police station, Andy is still trying to figure out what happened with the priest. Because he definitely didn't just fall out that window. And he tells Daryl that he had all the security tapes sent over so that they can review hundreds and hundreds of hours of security footage at different angles and figure out how the priest landed so very far from the window. He had a running start. He had a running start. I mean, obviously he didn't, but the story holds up. Yeah. And at Hallowell Manor, okay, this is what I'm talking about. Prue has asked Allison to come over, and she shows her the napkin from the wedding that says Allison and Elliot. Hmm. And Allison's like, how did you find this? How did you know that I was originally engaged to Elliot? Again, like, he's super wealthy. There probably would have been an announcement in, like, the San Francisco Chronicle. Why are they acting like this is a mystery that had to be uncovered? Seriously. Like... Yeah, there's no way this wasn't in the newspaper. Yeah, there was definitely a wedding announcement. So, meanwhile, Piper is apparently orchestrating the whole goddamn wedding. Well, she's directing the caterers about the food, which, again, she's trying to make everything go correctly, and Phoebe has to point out to her, we don't care, we're trying to stop the wedding. And Piper's like, oh, right. And Again, I like that. I like that little note. I like their sort of penguin hench person costumes they're cater waiter uniforms they're cater waiter uniforms but they're weird like suit vests but no suits with matching pants yeah and little bow ties yes so meanwhile prue has made allison tea so she can tell her the story of how demons ruined her wedding yes okay so according to allison according to allison this woman showed up out of nowhere okay that's fine we know that Mm -hmm. that she started working with the family that she was there for a few days and the next thing allison knew elliot wasn't speaking to her anymore he had called off the wedding and she wasn't allowed to see him anymore which does not mesh at all with what we saw i don't know but so i mean are we meant to believe that after what we saw After Elliot, like, passed out, he woke back up and was like, never mind, everything's fine. And then, by the way, this is an old family friend, Jade. She's just going to be hanging out here, and also I guess she's going to work for my mother's company now. And then three days later, he was like, okay, I guess I'm going to marry her instead. And then three days after that was the wedding? That's the timeline that we're given. I thought that they just hustled her off the property and she hadn't spoken to Elliot since... I I don't know. Not according to the story she just told. It doesn't make any sense. I feel like maybe having two writers was a bad thing because they both handed in different versions of the script or something. And then they just randomly chose which page to read. Yeah. So Prue talks about how 
there are forces in this world that work against people and there are forces that work for people and she's one of the forces that work for people prue doesn't want to say the word witch she doesn't want to say she's a witch so she said she's like that woman from touched by an angel yeah she said she avoids saying it but she's like have you seen that show where there's a woman who's an angel and the powers that be send her on missions and she uses her angel powers to save people and the woman's like so you're ripping off that and she's like yeah basically touched by an angel by the way which played opposite charmed mm. did it yeah prue does have a she's like no we're not that we're something else it, what a weird what a weird way to put that in seriously i i have seen uh two episodes of touched by an angel okay i've seen the one that's about computer porn oh no where a man's life is ruined by a computer it's called pandora's box oh no yeah and it's fun because it it doesn't actually have an anti-technology thing like all of this bad stuff happens to him but at the end one of the angels is like yeah well maybe don't look at porn on your work computer if you don't want to get fired and maybe tell your kids not to you know meet people that they uh met on the internet dumbass i which seems like honestly fairly good advice for the older crowd that was watching touched by an angel yeah i want to see how many porn sites are called pandora's box but i don't want to destroy my my computer by googling pandora's box porn uh the other episode i watched had mandy patinkin as lucifer and nice yeah and he tries to seduce the main angel uh to being evil by uh singing sometimes people leave you part way through the woods from into the woods to her that would work on me yeah i'm like yeah go with mandy patinkin (laughs) yep yep that would work on me my point is you could probably do worse than watching touched by an angel I mean, you could be watching this episode of Charmed. Yes. There are much better episodes. This is not one of them. (laughs) So, at the wedding, Grace is getting Elliot ready and he's brainwashed. I want to point out that Grace's mother of the groom dress is the same color as the bridesmaid's dresses. Which is weird. Uh That's not a thing you usually coordinate, but whatever. doesn't matter. Uh, So, Piper and Phoebe are trying to get into the back room. They want to get Elliot. The plan is they're going to grab Elliot and Prue has Allison and they're going to all meet outside of the gates of the mansion and Allison will kiss Elliot and then everything will be done. And Piper's like, heads up, stripper eating bridesmaid, which don't make jokes. A man is dead. Right? But the bridesmaid does stop them. She says, you know, nobody's allowed to see the groom before the wedding. And Piper rightly points out that's the bride. You can't see the bride before the wedding. And the demon's like, what, did you think you were going to logic your way into the back room? <laughs> right. But it's okay because Grace comes out and they step aside with Grace. Obviously, she doesn't want her son to marry this demon. So she's like, I can't tell you anything, but meet me downstairs in the wine cellar. Now go back to the kitchen, kitchen person. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. That's fine. That's the most logical way to deal with this. Because Piper and Phoebe are like, we can help. Not because we're witches, but because we're... Cater waiters? special and we help people who have special problems i mean she already knows she's made a deal with demons i'm sure she's fine knowing about the existence of witches whatever they go down to the wine cellar there's a lot of hand holding in this bit between phoebe and uh yeah they're like scrunching really close together like to protect themselves from all of the demons in the house 
this feels like it's feeding into the narrative that was really heavy early on where Prue is like the protective sister and they're the, I don't know, the cat that Prue saves. Oh, Phoebe's the cat of Save the Cat. Yeah. Yeah. Also Piper. Yeah. So. The demons come into the wine cellar, but they don't see Piper and Phoebe hiding behind the wine bottles. Piper tries to freeze them, but apparently they're too far away for her to freeze. So she starts running and... Okay, so the demons see them. They have them... I don't think they do see them. It looks like they do because it looks like they have a clear line of sight. But based on the way this scene plays out, I don't... I think we're supposed to understand that their, their sight line is blocked by cases of wine. Okay, so they just walk into the cellar, transform into demon form, growl at the air for like 10 seconds, and then turn back into ladies. Well, you will notice in this episode, when they transform into demon form, they do not move at any point. So I think this is a special effects mandate. They stand there, they transform into demons, they growl for a minute, they transform back into humans, and then they start skulking around the wine cellar. Also... Which, I mean, if you couldn't do it, just don't do it. Also, Phoebe's like, Piper, you're, uh, Piper's like, well, my freeze isn't getting them. And Phoebe's like, oh, but it got that fly. I guess you're just not close enough. And I'm like, no, you're holding her hand. She needs to do it with two hands. According to the Charmed Wiki, which carefully tracks such things, hmm. this is the first time we see Piper do a one-handed freeze. Maybe her freeze would go further if you'd let go of her other hand. Well, that doesn't matter. Now they're all wandering around the wine cellar trying to hide from demons. And Andy and Daryl are watching all of the security tapes back at the station. Amazingly, the very first tape that they put in is helpful. Okay, honest to God, I completely forgot that they had any follow-up uh, Really? with Andy and Daryl. I literally just thought they showed up when the priest died. Nope, nope, they have, they have follow-up. But it's understandable that you thought that because they don't have any follow-up as far as the priest's death. I, I, I mean, they kind of figure out what's going on, but... Nobody gets arrested. Like, nothing happens. This plot is not wrapped up. I feel like that's a lot of Andy and Daryl stuff because the girls always just end up blowing up whoever's been killing people. Well, in this case, they did. Well, oh, yeah, I guess they did. I just, I feel like Andy and Daryl should have a lot more questions, even for the people who are still alive at the end of this episode. Mm. So Phoebe and Piper are crawling around the basement trying to avoid demons when Prue calls them to see what they're up to. Yeah, and so now the demons see them because, you know, the phone rang and she picked it up and started talking at a normal volume. What is <laughs> what is she even thinking? Up in the bridal suite, one of the carnivorous bridesmaids gives a gift to Jade and the gift turns out to be a nice ancient looking copy of Goethe's Faust. Because uh, she's a demon. Because she's a demon. And it's about making deals with demons, and apparently she's the kind of demon you make deals with. And uh, she's like, but what am I going to do for my something blue? And then they look over at uh, Crying Grace, and she's like, oh, I forgot. Nothing's bluer than a woman who's giving away her only child. I should have looked it up because I cared enough to wonder about it when I was watching the episode, but I didn't look it up. Mm -hmm. When did calling someone sad blue become uh, an idiom? Huh. And is this something that the demon would know? 
did it happen within 200 years of 1990 whatever yeah i guess it doesn't matter i guess she knows i guess she knows all the pop culture or whatever Hmm. so i mean yeah i mean she knows that something old something borrowed something blue so oh that's the question what was her something old she's pretty old right yeah yeah i guess she's pretty old andy is looking at the tapes and he is able to he's able to lip read apparently we've we haven't seen this before do we see this again no clue Andy's able to lip read the security tapes. So when Grace is talking to the hench demon, he's able to see the moment where she said, you know, killing priests wasn't part of our deal. And he's like, ah, well, that was a... That's that, a freebie. That's a freebie. Also, why would they have the tape of that moment? Wouldn't they want stuff that happened around the murder and not something that happened after the murder? So they have 12 tapes. I think that means there's 12 cameras on the grounds and they just requested every tape. Okay, I feel like the security people would be reticent to give them all of those tapes. Considering all the demon stuff that's going on in the house? Yeah, also, why wouldn't they be watching stuff that happened, you know, around the time of the murder? That that did happen around the time of the murder. It happened just a few minutes after they found the body. I guess. It, it seems weird that they're watching anything that happened after the murder. I mean, it, it worked here, I guess. I mean, it seems like after the murder is when you're going to get people talking about the murder, so... This part doesn't bump me. If all of the nonsensical things in this episode, this one doesn't bother me. And now it's the wedding. Dum, dum, da, dum, 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 dum. Here comes the demon. Why don't any of these people have any questions about why the bride is someone different? No, I mean, that's a good question. Why don't any of these people have any questions about why there's a new bride? But whatever. Do you think they just hired people to show up to this wedding because, you know, neither Elliot nor Allison had any friends? Well, I was going to say, yeah, right, maybe. But also considering that Elliot is rich and Jade is the queen of the underworld, there are not a lot of people at this wedding. Hmm. Piper and Phoebe manage to freeze the bridesmaids uh, as they are at the foot of the stairs, just in time for Prue to come in and give us one of the iconic opening shots of the early seasons. Yeah, she throws the demons back into the cases of wine, and I guess that's enough to knock them out, even though they're demons. Pretty suck-ass demons. Yeah. So now the girls are going to go stop the wedding. They conveniently get out of the wine cellar just as the priest gets to the, if there's anyone who objects to this union, let him speak now part. That was handy. Yeah, that was handy. So. Allison objects. Allison objects and Jade says, you little witch. And Piper's like, hey, which is cute. But instead of, you know, having security just escort them off the property, she immediately invokes the gods to rain fire on the wedding. Well, Or rain, rain. Yeah, it's just rain. It's just she asks the skies to open up and douse the wedding. Then she grabs Elliot and runs off to, you know. Have sex with him. Which is weird because the whole point of the wedding was that for the demon pregnancy thing to work, they first had to be married in a sanctified ceremony. And. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. But here we are anyway. Up in the bridal suite where she's, like, trying to get impregnated while these witches are chasing her. So. What's the plan, Jade? What's the plan? And, of course, you know, the witches come in. Jade is in demon form on top of Elliot. The other bridesmaids are in demon form. But they're all just, as you said before, hissing and, like, doing cat motions. Because 
I assume the CGI allows them only to do that. Yeah. So they oh. really need to like run at these girls and shred them like they shredded the stripper. Yeah, like this could be over so quickly if you moved at all. And Prue can't find the dagger in her purse, but Elliot finds it. Apparently it slid out across the floor and he just picks it up in his like brainwashed haze and holds it out and sucks all the demons into it. The end. What? Well, Prue telekinetically activates it while he's holding it out. Yeah, she like. That just raises more questions. Like, look, she has to look at it. She has to. She has to use her power twice on the bride. All of, she gets all of the bridesmaids with one eye narrow, but the bride takes two. Okay, so. And then they're all just sucked into the knife. How much did the priest suck at using this? I guess the priest didn't have telekinesis, so. This is a really. This was a real. Well, we're out of runtime ending. Yeah, and he's like. Thanks for taking care of that. I'm guessing I'm going to marry What's-Her-Face. Bye. Yeah, and, and we do see them, like, reconciling. So I guess his brainwashing's gone. Yay. And everyone's just kind of wandering off from the wedding. Yeah, nobody, nobody's phased. Nobody has any questions. Like, this, this episode, as much as the writing was confusing for the entire episode, the ending is the worst. Because it, it just ends. And then we're just done. And nobody has any questions. In fact, Andy shows up presumably to like do police work and ask some questions and it's like oh i guess this took care of itself while he's there in the background by the way you can see the cater waiters picking up all of the tables and chairs that got knocked over by the storm yeah yeah no one at the wedding has any questions about the fact that the bride just stood up raised her arms over her head and was like skies rain rain down on us which why did she do that why i i don't know Prue hands Andy the dagger and is like, here's a dagger, I'm done. And Andy's like, you didn't know I would be here. And she's like, no, I was gonna go to the PlayStation afterwards. You saved me a trip. Okay, bye. Before he takes her away, they have a, like, jokey conversation about, you know, Piper's like, oh, well, I, you know, if I ever get married, I'm gonna have to worry about telling my husband that I froze the kids. And Prue's like, or I'm gonna have to worry about telling him that I accidentally moved them to a different zip code. And Phoebe's like, oh, don't worry, I'll use my powers to find them and bring them home that is if i ever get them under control and piper's like if any of us ever get our powers under control what no yeah that is that's weird because that's another like establishing what the show is lines that should have come early on now we know what your powers are we've seen you using them throughout the course of this what now, now after all that they roll the credits that's it we're done yeah no follow through no like what, what's Andy gonna... This this is a very unsatisfying ending. Is Grace going to jail? Grace is the only one alive who's left to ask any questions of. Yeah, so... What? Which, what? What did I just watch? Okay, so obviously this was a poorly written, not very well acted episode. But I can't say that it's bad, mostly because I wasn't bored at any point during it. It washed over me like water off a duck's back. Like, we sat down to watch the episode, I blinked, and then it was over. This is a great episode to have on in the background while you're doing laundry. I was going to say, because you could pop in at any moment and know what's happening, but I guess the right thing to say is, because you could pop in at any moment and be the exact level of confused that you would be if you were paying close attention to it. 
you can just assume that the plot knows what's happening and roll with it from there. Honestly, it might make more sense if you just watched it popping in and out while you were doing laundry because your brain would fill in what had happened and you'd be like, oh, what must have happened is they must have had this conversation. But they didn't. But you would assume it if you had been popped out of the room. All right. So. Segments? Segments. Our first segment is premonitions where we look into the future or into the past and see who guest starring in this episode is was or will become famous and i think the answer is no one well okay so sarah peterson Mm -hmm. who played jade flashikate um i think it's appropriate for the role for what it was that they chose a woman who's like the 90s one shot pretty woman girlfriend oh uh oh she was one of those huh Yes, she was on Friends. On Friends, she was Elizabeth Hornswoggle. Oh. Yeah, that's the girl that goes out with Ross when he wears the leather pants. Yes. And on Seinfeld, she was the girl in the episode The Voice. Now, Max, I know that you have not watched any Seinfeld, so let me tell you quickly what the plot is of this particular episode. All right. Okay, so Jerry comes up with this thing in his head where he imagines that her stomach talks to him when she's asleep and is like, hey, Jerry. And then he, like, is joking about that. And she's like, okay, that's weird. Stop doing the voice. And he's like, I can't. It's funny. And she's like, well, stop doing the voice or stop sleeping with me. And he chooses to break up with her rather than to stop doing the voice. And that was what Seinfeld was. But you know what? What? At least that episode resolved. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that we can fairly safely move on to our second power in our pack, time freeze. Uh, okay, so my... Which is, which is what in this episode felt very 90s to you. Yes, what specifically froze this episode in time. And I'm going to say Allison's haircut. Yeah, it's a very 90s pixie cut. I feel like you don't really see that brand of pixie cut anymore. I mean, sometimes you do, but not that often. It's one of those haircuts that you have to have a very specific head shape to pull off. So you still see it sometimes on women who can pull it off, but not on everyone. It's very, uh, like I said when we were watching it, it was uh, what Kathy had on Friends. Yes. Speaking of Friends love interests. I am going to say that what freezes this in time is the reference to Touched by an Angel. Oh, very much that and not just because that was a show that was on in the 90s but because in the but because in the 90s we were really obsessed with angels as a concept oh yeah that was a big thing i wonder when they're gonna get their comeback i don't know i hope we don't get like sexy angels because that'll be of course we're gonna get sexy angels that's not okay i guess there's sexy angels on supernatural but i don't really even think that counts there's a sexy angel in lucifer He's, uh... You could argue that Lucifer is a sexy angel. They would, in fact. But, uh, his brother, I don't remember angel names, so he has one of those angel names that starts with A, has Z, and ends in L. (laughs) Is it Azazel? No. Okay. I think it's, or it's, it's also, I think, got a F sound in there somewhere. I don't know. It is, is it Azrafel? Maybe. I'm just, I'm just guessing. He's played by Robin Wood from Buffy. Nice. Yeah he's like a main character but that will bring us to our last segment telekinesis what genuinely moved you this episode i got nothing max 
I thought I would have nothing, but I do have one thing. Okay. And it's not genuinely moved. I wasn't, like, super touched by it or anything. But it was really cute when they were all grabbing their weapons. That was a that was a neat bit of sister interplay. That was a cute moment. Yes, that was a good scene. So. I think that does it for this episode. Yes, I think we're done with The Wedding from Hell. Mm. Next week's episode is The Fourth Sister. Ooh, good. I've been waiting to talk about this. I, I do like this episode. And the Netflix description is, A lonely young teen attempts to get friendly with the sisters after being possessed by Callie, a demon bent on gaining the girls' powers from them. Is this another thing where they're using a god from a different culture as a demon for the sisters to fight? It is, in fact. Ugh. But I, I, it's funny because I wasn't even thinking of that, which, yes, they are, in fact. I was thinking of the fact that in the last season... Um, Callie Cuoco would become the kind of the fourth sister. Yeah. So it's funny that a demon named Callie. Yeah. It's fun. yeah. But no, yeah, it's it's more it's more gross appropriation from the charmed ones. Woo. Yes. Got a lot more of that to look forward to. Yes, we do. So that's it for this week. Mm-hmm. Our show is partially listener supported. If you want to be one of our supporters, you should head over to our website www.welcometotelevision.net and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, and Benjamin. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find us. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any television at all, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I love TV zines on Twitter or at I love television zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Hallowell Manor. Ooh.